So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the only F1 podcast that will whine constantly until we win. We're not going to be able to finish this podcast. We're never going to win. Are we going to finish this podcast? We'll finish this podcast. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that will keep on pronouncing it Monaco, just for old time's sake. I don't think anybody did that on the coverage this week. It's very disappointing. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that promises the glamour of the Monaco Grand Prix, but delivers the excitement of the Monaco Grand Prix. Both of which are good. Wow. I'm Chica Ayres, and today from the Union Tavern in Westbourne Park, we are going to talk about the Monaco Grand Prix, where there was either a tension-filled race that had everyone on the edge of their seats, or there was just another boring procession that was no hope of any overtaking. We will be debating that, plus reflecting on the departure of an F1 great and stifling our giggles at McLaren's adventures in Indianapolis. Oh, and there's the return of the Great British Fractor. That's all to come. Joining me is a motoring journalist who has been hanging out at the new celebrity, uh, Hangout, it's Phil Tromans. Hello, everyone. Yes, I have been to the place that apparently is the new Soho farmhouse. You familiar with the Soho farmhouse? No. It's apparently a place in the Cotswolds that all the celebs go and it's super swank. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, apparently. I've never been there, but apparently. But I have been to the place that apparently is the new Soho farmhouse. Is it the Walthamstow Abattoir? It is not. (laughs) No, it's up in uh, Scotland. It's the Five Farms Hotel, which was one of the weirdest places I've ever been. It looked just like a a normal sort of Scottish hotel in a small town uh, about... I don't know, an hour outside of Aberdeen. But then you go in, and there's a Picasso, an, an original Picasso in the drawing room, and a Lucian Freud, and it's just a bit bonkers. It's been done out by these arty people. Do you go to an art gallery? No, it's a proper hotel that you can go and stay in, but you can just go and have afternoon tea in front of a £13.7 million Picasso that's just sitting there. It's very weird. but It's, it's quite a very fun. specific price. <laughs> Well, that's how much it sold for when they bought it. Yeah, but surely the price fluctuates. That's what it was worth. Well, I'm not sure when you buy it, it changes afterwards. I mean, it might do. If they sold it, it now, does. it might go for something else. Exactly. So but then, right. as, as, of price now, most, as of my most the average recent between information, the two. I'll be honest, I've not been following the price of Picassos as closely as I have Formula One. If I sold you a painting for a tenner... Yeah. You waited a week. Yeah. And a week later, you sold it to Chica for 20 quid. Yeah. In the middle of that, it would be worth 15 quid. You're assuming that it goes up in a linear fashion. Yes. What if Very there's a point. sudden jump? So if I died, it goes to 40 quid. Well, you're right. Yeah. I feel we're getting off track. Who was there that was famous, Phil? I'll give you three guesses. Okay. Lionel Blair. No. Lionel Richie. No. <laughs> Lionel Bart. No. Nobody famous was there. Right. 
You've got a blue tick. I have got a blue tick. Phil Trowman's was and there. And I've been on YouTube and a couple Why of other motor journalists. I was driving a new car, some new what, Audis. What car? Uh, the Audi TT RS and the Audi RS3. Was it nice? Yeah. Good. The Audi TT RS. <laughs> no, it's TT RS or titters. <laughs> Not to be confused with the TT or tit and the TTS or tits. Do you think someone realised that? No. <laughs> really? I should have done, but no. And alongside him is a man who thought he was an alpha male for a minute or two. It's so, Terry Saunders. So, on the way here, I had a bit of a interaction with someone on the tube, where I was just like sitting there, not manspreading, had my legs crossed in fact, and some guy sat next to me, and I had like a sliver of armrest, and he was a real kind of meaty guy, and he was like trying to take the whole armrest. So I... Um, surprisingly quite aggressive when it comes to this <laughs> so I just didn't buckle so he was like leaning back on me and I just went I ain't moving mate and in fact every time the, the train moves I kind of squeeze into him a bit I, I tend to find that works against these people they're quite homophobic so if you kind of squeeze their leg they don't like it <laughs> and um anyway, their crotch. I've got yeah. headphones on listening to some uh, F1 podcasts for research on the way in and at some point he says something to me like and I didn't hear him and I just kind of looked at him and went (laughs) and then the very next stop he stands up and moves to the next carriage and I'm there thinking this is a result for someone who will stand up for skinny men and potentially women and I'm not going to (laughs) be I'm not going to be browbeaten by some muscly guy who thinks he can take my seat. Well, is this because of your... I mean, you've been working out for a while now. Well, I thought it the, could have been that. Well, the listeners can't see this, but you are hench as fuck. Mm, I, I really thought maybe... Wait, was um, this on the way here? It's on the way here. <laughs> but, I mean, can I just speak up and say... I mean, as listeners, you don't know what Terry smells like. <laughs> so I'm going to say it may not have been, you know, your hench stature. It may, in fact, have been the fact you stink... <laughs> Like, like bleach. Why do you think of bleach, Terry? Well, I've got a maybe a start of a cold or something coming, and my wife swears on like TCP, and she's like, "If you got a sore throat, water down some TCP, gargle, gargle it. it." Yeah, yeah, right. Anyway, did this before I left. Seems that I didn't water it down enough because Chica's in the pub. I sit down next to her, and she's like, "By God, you smell like a swimming pool," <laughs> and starts retching. <laughs> and I'm just there thinking. Maybe what the guy said to me wasn't, oh, I bow to your alpha male prowess, you haven't moved. I think he said, fucking hell, mate, you stink, and moved to a different carriage. Either way, I still win. Yeah, I'd say that's a victory for everyone. Chica, what have you been stinking? I mean, what have you been up to? Um, I have been running. Oh. I have begun running. Oh, good for um, you. Thank you very much, guys. Thank that's you. That's what you always do before you hit 30. <laughs> you will panic, yeah. yeah. In October, I am doing half a marathon. So I've begun training. Excellent. Um, And so I have done three runs um, and I bought my new trainers and this will be going very, very well. Okay. And then on my, so I did a 7K 
went and ran. And the last K, I was like, my leg hurt a bit. And I was like, oh, damn it. I potentially damaged myself. And so I went to the running, the place got my trainers and chat to them and then had a look. Basically, it turns out that my bum muscles aren't strong enough. So right. I have to have a break and work on my bum muscles to make them stronger. Okay. So I'm not allowed to run for a bit because otherwise I'll cause more damage. So yeah. instead I have to do a set of, um, of bum exercises. What are the bum exercises? So stuff like you lie on the side and then you have to, I'm yeah. demonstrating here in the pub, yeah. and you have to kind of do stuff like stretch your leg oh, at like odd side angles. Like side Kind of, it's called like crab stretches. Anyway, so I have to just do lots of like lying on the floor to try and okay. strengthen on, my on the bum tube muscles. Or? On the tube, okay. yeah, when people are sit- sitting next to me. Yeah. Before when I you say your bum muscles, world. I presume you mean your glutes. My glutes. Okay. My glutes. Yeah, I have t- horrifically weak glutes. My <laughs> trainer's been telling me that for ages. Squats? Is that the answer? No, Big it's fun. not. <laughs> Squats? How do you know my safe word? <laughs> but I will stop if you want. <laughs> Okay, let's proceed in an orderly single file to Listener's Corner because there is not enough space to do anything else. With this year's Monaco winner, Lewis Hamilton, fending off a clearly faster Max Verstappen for much of the race, the question we've all been asking this week is, once again, is Monaco a good place to race? Henry Haler says, yes, F1 is the pinnacle of racing not the pinnacle of overtaking. Monaco was fabulous thanks to real racing, regardless of overtakes. Kevin Barry agrees. I always enjoyed this race and I certainly enjoyed this one. Races do not need to have lots of overtaking to be exciting or interesting. And of course, it was fun watching Ferrari screw up again. But Ryan Simpson says the Indy 500 was three hours long and somehow Monaco felt longer. Fuck me, it was boring. The track is just not suitable for modern Formula One. Time to consign it to the history book. Right. I think, based on the off-mic brief chat we had before, that Terry and I might be coming at this from slightly different opinions. And I not. thought it was fucking great. I <laughs> thought it was terrible. That well, dog agrees with me. That dog's tyres won't last. <laughs> the Monaco Grand Prix is about tension. They put Lewis on the wrong tyres. Verstappen was behind him. Lap after lap after lap, just thinking he's getting closer and closer. I would gasp as they went around the hairpin. Every time I'm like, this is good. Verstappen's matured. He's not just going to welly it up the inside. Hamilton's whining. This is, this is the makings of a perfect last lap lunge. What have you done with Terry Saunders? Usually you're not really paying attention. You hate Verstappen. Well, you know. <laughs> okay. But I'm glad you enjoyed it, and it's GCP, nice to have. If, if I may respond, that would be true if there was any chance at all of Verstappen passing Hamilton, which there wasn't. There was. Because you can't pass at Monaco. You can. And Lewis, when was the last time anybody mugged Lewis Hamilton to a corner? He's the most, one of the most experienced drivers on the grid. He's very, very, very good. He's not going to let Verstappen through. The but that only would have made that it better if it had, happened. The only chance that Verstappen had was when he came barreling up the inside coming out the tunnel, which was never going to work because either, as happened, he would have hit him and then he would have had to give the place back anyway, or he would have cr- taken them both out, which I'll concede would have been a slight bit of entertainment. But, but it was never, Hamilton was rattled. It doesn't matter. He's good enough that he wouldn't let him through. Ricardo won last year with a car that was down 140 horsepower. But that's There's no different. way that Hamilton that is going to let no. Verstappen through. It's just not going to happen. But there was no term, tension. In terms of entertainment value, are we Crap. saying more more than last year? 
Last year was boring. Year. Yeah, this year was boring as well. This year was like something's going to fucking happen. I didn't think anything was going to happen. Did you? Did you think something was going to happen, Chica? Alright. I thought what I would, would happen with the I'm very in the middle between Thanks, mate. I would so, say that what was gonna happen was so that Verstappen boring. would be stuck behind Hamilton and not be able to get past him, and that's exactly what happened. So no, it was crap. But it could have happened. As far as I'm concerned, Monaco can I don't care about it anymore. I would like it off the that's calendar. Or we have uh, qualifying only. Because it is cool to see him drive around the track. I'll give you that. It is good to see them drive around a place that's not really designed for modern Formula One cars. And but like the racing the, um, is terrible. I like the camera they've got now. They show the camera from the. They're showing more of that camera we can see from the driver's perspective. Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm all, all for really that. Fun. You know, send them out for a day. Have a special one off event where it's like a, like an extended demo and they just rouse around the streets. Brilliant. But the racing, terrible. I loved it. Another race, another cataclysmic Ferrari fuck up. This time it was in qualifying where Ferrari assured Charles Leclerc that he was safe to get through to Q2 when everyone else knew that he wasn't. And so he went out and started 15th, resorting to kamikaze tactics to pull a few impressive overtakes before it all went wrong. He punctured and destroyed his car, getting right back into the pits. Julian Cross said, Theresa May is free so she can take up the mantle at Ferrari. Can't do any worse than the clowns they employ at the moment. Danny Love points out that after just six races, Hamilton has almost the same amount of points as both Ferrari drivers. Jamie Penning says, I'd rather see Leclerc go for it and bin it rather than playing it safe for a possible 10th place. What do you think? You can't overtake around Monaco. He did. Race ruined. Yeah, twice and then crashed. Yeah, but twice. That, that's those twice pretty much more the only overtake than can Also, see, he was in a Ferrari against backmarkers. So, still did and it. And then he tried it and he crashed. So do you think maybe he shouldn't? He should have done the first two, but then just not risked it for the third time. Or I mean, he was, was he, he lucky? You're for the saying first don't two? try. He was on which sounds a lot nothing. like Leclerc. He was on a hiding to nothing, really. I can see it from his point of view. It's like, well, it's either. I mean, yeah, and he said it before. It's like either, either I ever go and maybe crash, or I just don't go anywhere. So I'm sort of glad he did try something, but it was all that was always going to happen, and it goes back to my previous point. But Ferrari, I mean, what the fuck are they doing? It's, it's, has it been every race now where they've done something stupid? I mean, this weekend they've only been bettered by McLaren at Indy <laughs> as being <laughs> utterly inept at the thing they solely exist to do. I really want to know who's doing their strategic decisions. Have they announced who the staff member is? Because I, I don't know any of the Ferrari staff. With, no, with well, like Mercedes, we know that James is the strategist. Who's the, who's the chief strategist at Ferrari? Is it some sort of work experience? Cold kid? lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like everybody watching that was going. Um, I'm not sure Leclerc is safe. They're going. They're probably going to send him out again. They're, are they going to send? They didn't send him out. And then he went out. And it was Vettel that knocked him out. Yeah, the fact it was Vettel's time that knocked him out was pretty ridiculous. Do you reckon they're all just sabotaging him because they're all on Vettel's payroll? We could start no, conspiracy corner. I don't know, but I do think that the actual race, Leclerc did not cover himself in glory. Not from the crazy overtakes that was good there were a couple of really good overtakes yep. in fairness to him because which you it can't is do in Monaco says uh, you what's can't, your name and Phil Troman but he's good enough yeah. unless yeah. you're Charles Leclerc in one of the best cars against backmarkers was it one you of can't the best overtake cars? Ferrari was the second best car I would say probably but, if so he did a crash which was his own fault he didn't yeah. even crash into the whole he crashed into the barrier then he drove around like a bell end trying to get back to the pit. Surely anybody who's watched a couple of Formula One races knows that if you've got a rear puncture, you take it pretty easy because otherwise. So he was getting angry 
which you know quite like because it means violence might happen soon you know me I like a bit of violence but then comes around he's fucked his car he's then driving around a couple of laps and they're saying oh can we push I think, I think you can maybe push etc etc and then he comes across on the radio with the shittest message that a hero in a film could ever say which is like oh we could carry on but I'm I don't think we should actually because we're not going to get anywhere and it's like oh god that's not that's not die hard is it that's, that's the slogan not, for the 2019 Monaco race Ben Hur is it it's like oh actually should we, should we just give up yeah I, I think that's Monaco all over no there was a shadow cast over the Monaco Grand Prix as a few days before we heard that Nicky Lauda had died the three time Formula 1 world champion was 70 and succumbed to lung injuries that frankly should have killed him way back in 1976 Lawn Smith said, The amount of punishment that man has been through, I thought he'd live forever. Good man. And Ian Cox said, One of the few peeps left in F1 who wasn't scared to tell it how it is. Does this feel a bit like the end of an era? I was yeah. genuinely cut up over a couple of days about this. I didn't think I would be. If you'd have said, frankly, while he was alive, what do you think of Nicky Lauder? It's like, oh yeah, good, you know, good guy, great story. And then he went, and I'm like, ah. Oh. I don't think I appreciated what we had until he'd gone. Yeah, it's been weird how he's been back in Formula 1 with Mercedes and just reliably, curmudgeonly entertaining. And then you find out how instrumental he was behind the scenes as well, like in convincing Lewis Hamilton to go to Mercedes, how him and Toto Wolff were like close friends and he really did work for Mercedes and did a lot of good in their championships. Plus his career just plus the fact he was just fucking cool yeah and yeah. to know a double lung transplant is a pretty impressive way to go out let's be honest you know that's kind of the sort of thing where you go do you know what when you're still battling against the injuries that you got 40 years previously when you crashed in a fiery Ferrari at the Nürburgring yeah. and was given the last rights and still carried on for another 40 years and, and achieved everything he did had three airlines uh, had three world championships what a dude. Away from F1, uh, we were all prepared to see how well or badly Fernando Alonso got in his latest attempt at the Indy 500. After coming oh so close in his previous attempt, Nando had got McLaren to build him a car for a renewed attempt to take the last prong on his hoped for triple crown of the Indy 500, Monaco Grand Prix and 24 hours of Le Mans. But it didn't quite go to plan. The car was shit and he didn't even qualify for the race. Now, Ryan Simpson says, just when McLaren seem to be getting their act together, they go and McLaren the shit out of IndyCar. And Colin Milks is more succinct and he said, what a clusterfuck. Clusterfuck is not even the right word for it. <laughs> the litany of errors utterly is farcical. so hilarious. <laughs> so they had, so that they used, there's a team called Carlin who I think had, just got into IndyCar they were like a Formula 2 team normally quite uh, a well respected well, well sort of respected, slightly minor Formula yeah, yeah. British manufacturer <laughs> and they get to in, they get to Indy and the McLaren bigwigs go this is the wrong colour orange you've painted it which let's not forget for the first year of the new orange McLaren it was the wrong colour and they were fine with that then yeah, yeah. so they got them to paint the spare car in the right colour which meant sending it off to a paint shop somewhere away from Indy then Alonso crashed the other car and they went quick get the spare car and they went we can't why it's being painted a slightly different shade of orange to what it was yesterday okay great okay what else could go wrong 
Oh, we haven't got a steering wheel. <laughs> what? <laughs> we've, we've forgotten to... This was within a few days of the first running of the car. They realised that they hadn't got a steering wheel. Nobody and I, thought. And was it? Did I read correctly that Zach Brown himself had to go and find a steering wheel? Is that what happened? To a steering wheel <laughs> off another team. Hey, we're going to beat you at this, but just are you using this? <laughs> and then the, the third thing that went wrong, apart from the fact the car they built was just dog shit, was. It was they went out qualifying and it, the bottom of the car was hitting the track so hard there were sparks and they worked out the problem was the British team were using millimetres and the Americans were using inches and that doesn't happen in real life that's a sitcom joke that's not a thing <laughs> so they were basically knocked out they were basically knocked out by a a 23-year-old rookie, Carl Kaiser, from a team that nobody has ever heard of. And off the top of my head, I can't remember the name of them. But then he crashed about 30 laps into the actual race. Oh. But um, this was all masterminded within McLaren by Bob Fernley, who used to be at Force India, who I thought was quite well respected and had done quite no, a lot. He's been thrown on, He's been thrown under the bus with this. Well, he's, he's, he was kicked out of the team within minutes of him not qualifying. By the sounds of it, Zach Brown, who I think has to go, Zach Brown, Zach Zach Brown, and Jeremy Corbyn. What? And he has to go because he's the one that put this together. I think Bob Fernley was basically given a turd to polish, and he he failed to polish that turd. Did he have the Theresa May job? Yeah, he no. He had the Bob Fernley job, which is can you make this car go? What car? Oh, there's no car. <laughs> well, there is a car, but it doesn't have a steering wheel, and it's the wrong colour. <laughs> So another news, the motorsport movies keep coming. The latest racing exploits will come to the big and presumably small screen in Heroes, which is a movie by Manish Pandey, who wrote the Senna documentary. It features Felipe Massa, Mika <laughs> Haikinen, and Limon Legends Tom Christensen, and former World Rally star Michelle Mouton, sitting around a table talking about racing of all sorts and about Michael Schumacher, with whom they all share various links. Is there any such thing as too many racing movies? Well, apparently, yes. <laughs> this sounds really sounds shit, shit. doesn't it? Have yeah. you seen the trailer? No. It looks all right. So what's it well, called? Let's know how it is. It's called Heroes, not to be confused with the uh, TV show from a few years ago. Or David Bowie. So, uh, shouldn't it be called old white men get talked about being hit by bits of metal and, and <laughs> Michelle Mouton so time for a new race roundup get settled in this is a long one oh. a consortium in Brazil has revealed a track layout for the new Grand Prix in Rio de Janeiro and despite some claims from the new massively right wing Brazilian president that it would host a Brazilian Grand Prix from next year looks like we're going to have to wait till 2021 when the current contract with Interlagos expires Interlagos apparently wants to keep hosting the race though so that will be interesting uh, meanwhile conversations are underway about bringing back the South African Grand Prix at Kailami the circuit has new owners and has been substantially refurbed so we could see the return of F1 there for the first time since 1993 no news on when but it will be after 2020 and speaking of 2020 Hockenheim wants to continue hosting the German Grand Prix next year and has funding in place to do so but needs F1 to agree to extend its current contract 
The future of the Mexican Grand Prix is also unclear after its government funding was pulled, with Vietnam and the Netherlands hosting races next year. Some current races will have to go, and Mexico, along with the UK, Germany, Italy and Spain, is out of contract. A source told Autosport that Mexico, Italy and the UK are likely to be kept on, which means that Germany and Spain could be ditched, but none of that has been confirmed. <laughs> Keep Brazil at Interlagos, bring back Kyle Army, get rid of Hockenheim, get rid of Silverstone, Ooh. get rid of Mexico, Ooh. get rid of Spain, Ooh. and we'll have three new tracks decided by a lottery. Ooh. I mean, that's bold thinking. What have you, get, what have you got against Silverstone and... Uh, Spain and Hockenheim. Spain is boring. Mm -hmm. Okay. Silverstone I went to in 1990 when my dad had a terrible day. He spoke about this in the previous podcast. Yeah. Can't believe you bring it up again, not Phil. Not again, not again. And um, it's got a silly name. Would you not want a British Grand Prix at all? Or would you just not want it at Silverstone? Have it somewhere else. Brands Hatch? Nope. Catterall Park? Nope. The streets of London? Nope. Alton Towers? <laughs> okay. Just on Nemesis. <laughs> Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake. Find us on Facebook, where we're For F1's Sake. Or Instagram, where we're, I think we're For F1's Sake as well. Or you can email us at wrong at ff1s.com. And thank you to everyone that has bought us a pint. This is the last show. They are Troy Packshell. Oh, thank you, Troy. Troy. Troy's a great name. Let's sure about your surname. Ian Cox. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Ian, thank Please. you very much indeed. I am knee-deep in pints right now, thanks to you. Zachary Gompert Mitchelson. Zachary Gompert Mitchelson. What a guy. What a, what a guy. What a guy. All the beer he's bought. And Chris Clark. Thank you, Chris. Whatever. Chris. Alliterative names. The way to go. And Robbie Ross. Another alliterative name. Thank you, Robbie. And thank you to all the people that bought merch. You guys look blooming sharp in your new merch this week we've sold Gunter Steiner is my spirit animal t-shirt <laughs> we have sold a I'm hard sorry uh, we've also sold an I'm hard t-shirt <laughs> and we sold a very special I also didn't qualify for the Indy 500 t-shirt that I made frankly impressively within about 20 minutes of Alonso <laughs> being knocked out of the Indy 500. The good thing about that t-shirt is it's going to continue to be relevant for a very long time. Mm. And now time for the teams. Mercedes. In a race where Lewis wanted to make Nicky Lauda proud, he won in an imperious style. As long as you don't listen to his radio where he came across like a whiny little dick. Yes, he was on the wrong tyre, but it's Monaco. Just get on with it, loser. Bottas got shafted by Red Bull and then did nothing. Because he couldn't, because you can't overtake at Monaco. Okay, so the whole thing with Hamilton whining and oh, then yeah. they were comparing it to kind of, you know, it's like 92 with Seder and Mansell. And I just had this thought of like... We didn't have team radio in 1992. And it'd be great if suddenly they went, we've unearthed this radio. And it's just Senna whining the whole fucking way. Oh my God, he's so close. Can you just get him off me? I hate it. Because it really just ruins what would have otherwise been a really impressive kind of sturdy drive. He said that every few minutes, he's like, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. Don't make me go out of there. Well, I, I, 
They thought they maybe he was messing them around, didn't he? Oh, maybe bullshit, was he? But bullshit, he was, just, was he messing them around? Whining. He was whining and wetting himself. Are you sure he wasn't just going, oh, guys, this is really difficult. Oh, if I win this, what an achievement it'll be. <laughs> no. Oh, Go the odds are all against me. No. No? No. I, th- I did feel sorry for Bottas because he was on the hard tyres, wasn't he? Not the mediums that Hamilton was on. And had Which he you not can been, buy at ff1s.com slash shop shop. Thank you. If you want to be like Bottas. Um, <laughs> if he had not got taken out by Verstappen and got out ahead he'd presumably then have been all over the back of Hamilton and would they have then switched them around in if which Verstappen case was Bottas would have romped off to an easy victory by yep. miles so yep. I feel a little bit sorry for him actually Red Bull Red Bull let Verstappen go right into the path of Bottas and got a five second penalty that ultimately decided his race the lion was firmly leashed for the last part of the race but Mighty Max tried his hardest to overtake Lewis and Gasly was driving too. Was five seconds too lenient a penalty? It was quite lenient, considering he basically ruined Bottas's race and, as we've just discussed, potentially took a win away from him. Yeah, but he had nothing to do with it, did he? This is the thing. I'm not a Verstappen fan, as we know, but he... Sometimes you are, but... He, no, I'm not. He... Was re- he went when they said go. Oh, no, I agree. Yeah, personally, so, Verstappen, nothing. But in the absence of a system where you can, for example, penalise the team points, which would surely make more sense rather than the driver, that, that doesn't exist. So you would think, uh, you know, in the current system, you have to just throw a penalty at the whole lot. And I thought that five seconds for basically knackering another driver's race was a little lenient. But made for a good ending of the race, and but I still finished ahead of him. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if I, if we were to go with your storyline for a bit, it did put Verstappen in the point in the in the position where it's like, right, either you're going to win because if he'd have got past Hamilton, he would have sailed off into the distance and probably won by more than five seconds, or you're off the podium, which is where he ended up because he had that five second penalty and everyone else went past him on count back. Ferrari. After a qualifying to forget, Leclerc decided to battle hard and overtake lots at the unovertakable Monaco Grand Prix. He screwed it up, then knackered his car, but then, like all heroes, came over the radio and said, I could carry on, but fuck it. Vettel quietly drove to second place. What is happening at Ferrari? Well, What's happening covered is... covered it in some detail. On an embarrassing weekend, they got their best result, which is just weird. <laughs> Did they really? Vettel came second. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but what did he do? I didn't see him. He didn't do anything. He just came second by just just another reason. He knows Monaco. Monaco's stupid. Nothing works at Monaco. Anyway, we've discussed the rest of it. I quite like the fact that the Vettel just went, just no one noticed I'm here. McLaren. Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris not only had the right colour cars, but also steering wheels. And Sainz avoided an early pit to come home in sixth. Are they really the best of the rest this year? I mean, they're not far off. I they're don't know if we can fine. conclusively say that they're the best of the rest, but they're they're up there. So quite quite good. And used they did to pretty well. It, that's the thing. I mean, Norris didn't have the best of weekends, but then McLaren were quite canny in using Norris as a sort of barrier to stop everybody getting close to science. McLaren are just very good operationally this year. They're they're very good at strategy. Well, not in Indy, in, obviously. in Formula One. In yeah. Formula One, they're very good. <laughs> They have two steering wheels <laughs> and some paint and everything's in millimetres. And But they just seem to pull off a race weekend, whereas Haas, the tyres seem to sod off. Renault are just laughable. And it's just, yeah, McLaren are doing well. They're doing all right. Toro Rosso. 
Uh, both cars finishing the points by being wily on strategy, staying out long and keeping out of trouble. Impressive for Monaco or just lucky? No, they're, do, they're doing well as well. I'd say I'd say McLaren and Toro Rosso are the, are the two best of the rest at the moment. Would that be fair to say? And Kvyat, new man. Smashing it. And Albon as well, considering he'd never driven an F1 car until this weekend or something. Uh, he's done very well. I like him. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we know I you really like him. I really like him. <laughs> Renault! Uh, both cars pitted under the safety car in a way that all teams do instinctively, except no one else did. And then they got stuck in shitty positions. Why are Renault so awful? There's something amazing about, you know, in any job where you do something because you've seen other people do it and you don't know why you're doing it, but you just go, oh, I've seen this other guy put these things here, so I'm going to put these things here. So a safety car came out for Leclerc and then Renault went, pit is this a good idea to pit yeah yeah I've seen other races everyone pits and somehow it's a good idea okay we'll pit oh guys no one else pitted <laughs> it's a really bad idea why did you make they, us pit they then got stuck behind the, the Norris roadblock yeah and couldn't really get anywhere else because I think they did alright in qualifying didn't they yeah I think Ricardo was up in 7 and he got past Magnussen on the start so yeah. he was they were up in like fifth or something, so fifth or sixth. So they were doing well. I don't think and you then can entirely lay the blame at them, but they haven't been good this season generally. Racing point. <laughs> <laughs> Perez nearly hit a marshal, and then Stroll tried to hit just about everybody else. Uh, both out of the points, and both looking very ordinary. When is Stroll going to realise that he would make a very good investment banker? You can imagine this Christmas is going to be a bit of a. Do you reckon? Yeah. As in, he will be one by then, or he will realise. I mean, it's a fallback then. for him, isn't it? Yeah, I just think at Christmas dinner, his dad's going to be like, So, for Christmas, I've given your seat to a more deserving child. <laughs> Has he got any other children? I mean, when I say child, I mean Formula One driver. Yeah, yeah. Esteban Ocon, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, did you see the footage of Perez where he nearly killed two marshals? Absolutely yes. terrifying. He came, yes. comes out the pits at race speed and there are two marshals running across the track and if he hadn't have slammed on the brakes and one of them had decided that he should probably stop he would have hit them and it would be another whatever it was 1977 South African Grand Prix moment which was absolutely horrific so I don't quite know how that happened and I hope somebody is getting very fired for it because that is not something we want to see at all marshals are volunteers you can't fire a marshal no, I, mean, no I, don't, I don't blame the marshals. marshals. I mean, so whoever was in charge of the oh, marshals yeah, saying, the people you know, upstairs. maybe when the race is live, don't come running across the racetrack. Because so, that should not have happened. Stroll, once again, didn't get out of Q1. Is that 10 races in a row now? I don't even know anymore. I don't even. It's, it's most of the races in a row. Stop and he's, suddenly that podium he got last year looks like an absolute fluke. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Grosjean was uh, he was really angry in qualifying at being blocked and not because Magnussen was so much better uh, but then they were just both really rubbish in the race yeah Grosjean They're- got blocked by Gasly didn't he who got penalty uh, in qualifying but Grosjean's reaction was just a bit like oh, a bit spoilt brat wasn't it that's Grosjean for you and they just didn't do very well in the race. They're just Those cars just don't work well in race conditions. I don't know what it is. They'd be better off on white bikes. Wow. Alfa Romeo. Both cars finished behind a Williams, which is embarrassing. They, were, they, they had a terrible weekend, didn't they? Giovinazzi, 
I would thought should be slightly worried about SC because to fail to even beat Kubica exactly it's pretty terrible that's embarrassing and for no real there was no like drama was there there was no event that made him fall back that so. far no. behind they were just slow as fuck and it, w- it wasn't the car it was them was it the car I mean, I mean the car I don't think was particularly good either because Raikkonen was nowhere either but um, I, I don't know enough about exactly how their race went but it didn't work it didn't end up very well according to the standings it was shitty Raikkonen did some uh, excellent radio some really slaggy off radio that's all you need uh, Williams George Russell wasn't last on merit but even Kvitsa at times was faster than the leader one for the scrapbook <sighs> well, that was a weird thing because at the point where Hamilton was like nursing his tyres and holding everyone up and suddenly uh, George Russell I think was the fastest car on the track at one point <laughs> because Monaco's shit Monaco isn't shit Bill <laughs> it's guys glamorous. come on it's glamorous. glamorous. It's tension yeah. building. But it's, it's not exciting. good racing. We have had this discussion. And we'll Come keep on. having it. Every year around the merry month of May. I do quite like the combination of Monaco and the Indy 500. Because somehow the Indy 500 just shows up Monaco even more. Because Indy, in the last few years, has been pretty fun to watch. Monaco is not. It was fun. All of which brings us to the standings. Oh, that's me. With Terry Saunders. So, of course, the standings are based on radio messages from the drivers this week. Lewis Hamilton is in first place with, I can't do it. And in second place is Valtteri Bottas with, I nearly did it. And in third place is Sebastian Vettel going, I'm doubting if I ever did it before. I don't know why I'm doing this in a kind of Adam Bennett accent. <laughs> Max Verstappen, I won't do it. And Charlie Clerk, I bloody will do it. Oh, no, I won't. And Pierre Gasly is in sixth place saying, I want to do it. <laughs> and Carlos Sainz is, we're doing it better than Indy McLaren. And uh, Kevin Magnussen is eighth place with, I said I haven't done it. And Sergio Perez is saying, I missed it. And Kimi Rackin is saying, I've done it before. It's shit, really. Oh. And in 11th place is Lando Norris saying, I'm new at it. And Daniel Kvyat's in 12th going, I'm doing it again. <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo's going, I used to do it. And Alexander Alba's going, is this it? And Nico Hulkersberg says, I'll never do it. And Lance Stroll saying, my daddy bought it. And uh, in 70s places, is Roman Crochon saying, someone else did it and it's not my fault. <laughs> and the constructors. Now, I thought it'd be an interesting thought experiment this week if, what if the Formula One teams decided to run the Indy 500? How would that go? So... Mercedes would probably win and just be laps ahead and everyone would be like that was boring <laughs> Ferrari would show up at the Indiana Jones theme park and go oh sorry we got that wrong didn't we Red Bull would just sponsor everything uh, McLaren wouldn't even have a steering wheel <laughs> Racing Point would just buy Indianapolis in general <laughs> Haas would turn up and go what there's already a Haas have you heard about rich energy <laughs> Uh, Renault would say we're definitely going to win but we're planning on doing it next year a ninth place 500 miles in an Alfa Romeo that's Alfa Romeo that's a top gear joke I don't really understand and Williams who haven't got any points that this year but I think if they did the Indy 500 they would drive around the track the wrong way <laughs> they'd probably do the road circuit by mistake <laughs> Ralph Schumacher was very good around here <laughs> And now, prepare yourselves for the return of the Fact Off. 
It is Phil versus Terry in a battle of the facts that are in some way, at least, related to Monaco or the Monaco Grand Prix. So far, it has been close stuff, which I mean uh, that Terry wins every single week. So, Phil, can you strike back or will Saunders just keep blocking and rob us of any kind of excitement around the narrow streets of Principality? I'll be the judge. So let's fact off. So can I just start by saying this has been a hard one for me because the way I've won this so far is by being funny and maybe slightly irre irreverent. But it turns out Monaco, really fucking boring place. <laughs> Phil, would you like to start with your first Okay, fact? yeah, I can start. Here we go. Monaco's army is smaller than its military orchestra. That's a good fact. So there's more military musicians than there are military so soldiers. So it's got a massive, massive orchestra. It has 85 people in its military orchestra and it has 82 people in its army. Oh, that's lovely. I mean, okay. it's lovely if you want to invade Monaco. Absolutely. And be uh, serenaded as you do it. <laughs> and Terry. If you're a native inhabitant of Monaco, like Charlie Clerk, you are legally not allowed to gamble in Monaco or even visit the casino. It's illegal for Charles Leclerc to go to the casino in Monaco. Illegal. Okay. I mean, you win that one by, by miles. Yeah, That's, who does? You do. Me? Phil. Yay! You've got your name there. It's in the bag. So, okay, so 1-0 okay. so far. Uh, next, round two. Terry, would you like to start us off, please? On the birth of Prince Rainier and Princess Grace's first child, a national holiday was declared. The people of the Principality were treated to free champagne and gambling stopped for a day at the casino. That they couldn't legally go into. <laughs> Does that completely contradict your previous point? Well, so no. they were celebrating by not gambling. The gambling stopped for a day. Oh, I thought you said they were allowed to go into the casino and gamble. <laughs> no, no, the gambling stopped for a day. And everyone got free champagne. Oh, that's better. How in much Monica. free champagne? Um, you don't know. Seven don't magnums. Make it up. Don't make it up. Made it don't up. Know. Okay, this is a fact, not. Okay. okay, my fact. Monaco's flag is exactly the same as Indonesia's Indonesia. flag, except yeah, I reject this one. For it's shorter. one thing. It's shorter. No, Indonesia's flag is wider. Yep. Interesting. I rejected um, that fact. Just saying. No. That's because that there's no fucking facts about fucking Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> Shit in hell, it's boring. Factless place. I'm gonna say I'm gonna give you that one, Terry. What? Thank you. But only just. <laughs> it's not great. Finally. If you're a resident of Monaco but aren't born there, you're not called Monegasque as Charlie Clerk is, but you're actually called a Monaco Ian. <laughs> which is my pronunciation of Monaco Ian. I like the idea oh, okay. of everyone. Yeah. Everybody. It's officially called Ian. Everybody who lives there, like Lewis Hamilton, David Coulthard, are all. When they go to a bar, everyone goes, it's Monaco Ian. Okay, good. Yeah, that is good. What have you got for us? Well, my fact is that our, our favourite bearded uh, fraudster, Richard Energy, was in Monaco this week with everybody's favourite pantomime villain, Flavio Briatore. And according to Rich Energy's Twitter, Flavio loves Rich Energy. But my fact is, it's actually shit. 
and I'm going to prove it. You, well, you're proving you your haven't. rich energy shit. You haven't. Hang on, he's bringing out a cat. Oh my god, he's shit got rich in hell. energy. Oh my god, you have got it. I have so got us. If you remember, three cans of oh rich my energy. Oh god. <laughs> Uh, which is actually full of liquid. <laughs> I have to thank uh, internet journalist supremo Alex Goy, who, in trying to research a piece, bought an entire case of them and was desperately giving them away. So if we... If so we remind- I think we should try them now and just see if they are as shit as we suspect they probably are. Because according to Rich Energy's Twitter, they is, it's the leading energy drink in the world. And Flavio Briatore apparently loves it. So I think we should all try it. First impressions. It smells remarkably like TCP. <laughs> I think that's just that's your just residual your smell. I'm getting. It's very similar to Red oh, Bull. It just smells like. It does. Smell it smells like, like Red Bull. It's just Red Bull. Okay, I'm gonna try some. That's horrible. That is just Red Bull. I mean, for legal reasons, it's not exactly the same as Red Bull. But it's exactly the same as Red Bull. I feel like if I scratch the can hard enough, the Red Bull label will appear <laughs> underneath. Mm. So I mean, I'll, be, I'll be honest, that wasn't really a fact. That was more just a sort of uh, thin, show, a thinly veiled attempt to show that I'd managed to get some rich energy. But before you make your decision, Monaco, Ian, <laughs> that's what I say. And Chica, yeah. think how funny it would be yeah. if I still won after Phil did something demonstrably better. <laughs> that's not how the rules work. Well... If you didn't think of TCP, I would think about it. But I'm afraid this time... Damn! <laughs> it's Phil! Yes! yes. <laughs> so what's the score at the moment? 3-1? 3-1 to So I'm Valtteri Bottas. It's been 1-2 every race. <laughs> In many ways, you're Valtteri Bottas. And yes. now that Bottas has gone wrong, I've gone wrong. Okay. That's interesting. So yeah, no, that's fine. You can be Valtteri Bottas in this equation, and I'll be arguably the greatest Formula One driver of all time. Okay. Lance Stroll. <laughs> <laughs> and now for the state of F1 with Terry Saunders. Every year I watch the Indy 500 build up and find it to be utterly bonkers. Then I look up to the build-up of a Formula 1 race and see that all that's changed in the last 20 years is the drivers have to stand at the front for a national anthem and the trophy is on a plinth. Everyone on the grid chatting about is great for Formula 1 and it makes it unique, but that's not enough. We need a bit of pizzazz. But, let's face it, not quite indie levels of glitz. They tried that at the American Grand Prix in 2017 with the wrestling style intros and it was awful and embarrassing. And why? Because despite his worldwide credentials, Formula 1 is very much a British sport and we just don't do things like that. But don't worry, I have a solution. Sitcoms. The British love a good sitcom and so we need a bit of that to come in. We can have all the drivers appearing on screen but instead of their arms folded, look up here I'm hard, it could be Lewis Hamilton spitting some monster over himself and then laughing. Leclerc <laughs> stepping on a rake or Grosjean just crying and his name appearing. Or we can make it all like a theme park with scenes played out. Imagine there's a gap appears in the middle of all the celebrities and suddenly Lando Norris is chased on by an actor playing Zac Brown with a giant head. Oh wait, that is Zac Brown. And what's that Lando has? It's his steering wheel, but he needs it for the Kimoa man. Or what about a song? Instead of someone singing the anthem, each driver gets a race where they sing a song of their choosing. Lewis can do a rap. Vettel can sing some Hasselhoff and Gasly can just stand there while the world watches and he'll just do 
nothing. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, get the drivers to go around on a flatbed, then let them go home and have a wee. Brilliant. If you approve of Terry's State of F1, you can show us by buying us a pint. Uh, you can do so by going to ff1s.com forward slash pint, pint, pint. That is it from us. It's goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We have not had time to talk about the W Series, which I think we've mentioned before, which is a ladies-only single-seater series. It's basically Formula 3. Um, seems to be working. Uh, this week, Jamie Chadwick, who is leading the W Series Championship, was announced as the uh, as a reserve Formula 1 driver or development driver or something like that yeah. for Williams. Great. Yeah. So oh, that's well, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Is it? Is, <laughs> is it? it? Uh, so well done to her, I think. Great. And to Terry Saunders. We haven't had time to talk about gearboxes. Your favourite subject of mine. But a few weeks ago, the FIA said, we're going to have a new type of standardised gearbox Formula 1. It's going to make everything cheaper and easier. And then this week, they've quietly gone, oh, we're not actually. Um, turns out it's quite complicated and all the teams are angry about it. So as you were... Great. We'll be back in two weeks' time to discuss the Canadian Grand Prix. In the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for F1's sake. Follow us on Twitter at for F1's sake and Instagram at for F1's sake. Uh, and Terry, where can you buy treats from? You can buy treats from ff1s.com forward slash rich energy, <laughs> which I think should just be a video of us pouring these hideous drinks down the drain. I'm actually going to finish this can. It's Don't finish nice. it. It's disgusting, Phil. It's bad for you. For God's sake, oh. he's... Just, we've, I'll just go to forward slash shop, shop, shop. Thanks for listening. See you in a fortnight. Bye. I'm Eugene Grass. Goodbye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.